Welcome to 12 Rows Back, where we bring you the footy talk from the fans' perspective. Round two in the books, a few more upsets, uh, a few different results that I sort of didn't expect, a few, little bit of controversy, the MRO's all over it. Tom, you're back at the footy, how are you going? Yeah, no, going well, uh, yeah, cracking round, plenty of headlines, I guess it was was hijacked by a uh, headline-grabbing game on Friday night. We saw an out-of-control club coach need to be restrained by his own players. We saw a Brownlow medalist hit behind play. And we also saw a non-free kick that had to be seen to be believed. But that was only Friday night. So there was a big round. That one cast a shadow over the round. And some of us are still steaming about what went on. But uh, there was a nine games of footy and plenty to take in. How did you enjoy being back at Marvel on Saturday night? No, it was uh, it was fantastic to be back. Uh, didn't quite try the two dollar pie just quickly, but uh, no, I got got right back into it. Got there nice and early, and we we were lucky enough to have a seat uh, row C on level one, which wasn't too bad, and got got right into the thick of it. And uh, the Saints and the D's um, they did a great job with the Spuds game. There was a lot of pre game work done there. Uh, you know, great to see Big Plugger out there and. Stewie Lowe and, and Gary Lyon giving a rev up, and they really, really made a big deal out of the time to talk, which is just an awesome cause. So um, there's talk it might take off into a whole round, which uh, I would agree with, but it, it was awesome to be back. I mean, I took a bit of adjusting just hearing uh, some non-Saints bias, given I've been in my living room for a year watching games. It was interesting having the banter coming from, uh, you know, in and around you. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been rough for the uh, the positivity that is the St Kilda fans. Uh, <laughs> any truth to the matter that Melbourne maybe should have won by seven or eight goals? Well, yeah, look, they didn't bring their kicking boots. Uh, that, that's for sure. I think Bailey Fritch is top of that list. He, look, couldn't kick a goal to save himself. And then late in that third, or I think it was early in the fourth, he kicked one from the boundary. So that just sort of summed up how our night was going. It's as good as I've seen the D's play since the uh, 2018 semi. They came out with a purpose. We let their uh, key players uh, run right. Maxi Gorn on a two-gamer had a night out. Clayton Oliver had no one on him. Christian Salem, Jake Lever. We let blokes run right. So we did make a rod for our own back there, and, and the Ds loved it. Surprised, like, you know, halfway through the second, we're third, 16 up, and I thought, oh, here we go. But they just uh, straightened up and ran away with it. Yeah, it was a good win for Melbourne, certainly something I didn't expect. Their fans uh, celebrated it hard, I will mention that. I've been, uh, I copped texting from a D's mate of ours all week and then uh, letting me know, you know, oh, it doesn't matter that you didn't have Ryder or Marshall after the game. So, you know, and the fans at the ground celebrated it in a finals-esque uh, level. So, look, they're up and about the D's. Yeah, look, they've been through a lot, the D's. Uh, but look, let's not get sidetracked. This isn't the St Kilda show, um, although I'd be happy to analyse that game further. Uh, you want to get into a few things on Friday night. So this was last year's runners-up versus fourth, I believe, as they finished on the ladder. Uh, Brisbane and Geelong, both upset in round one, ready to sort of come out and prove something. Now, controversy before the bounce, where players... It was a bit of uncertainty as to whether the game would go ahead thanks to the COVID outbreak up north. And obviously one case means our great mate Andrew Daniels wants to shut everything down. Uh, so Lions officials were asked to leave. Fans from Brisbane were asked to leave. Wayne Carey and Hodge had to leave the, the ground. Um, I'm still not sure what the real danger was at the time. But anyway, the players were allowed to go ahead. Uh, so we had that sort of 
give us a little bit of something before the game, and then there was just there were sparks flying all through it. We'll start oh, with Lockie Neal. I think. Yeah, I think. right, right at the centre of it. Uh, interesting one, the whole Lockie Neal thing for a start, because you know he copped a, a hard tag all night, and they really oh, yeah. went in the Geelong boys. And I know you know with Danger and Mitch Duncan missing that. There's probably a little opportunity that sprung up for uh, young Mark O'Connor to get in and tag. And then, yeah, Rowan was in his ear and and, and we'll get to that. I think uh, there's been a, a verdict handed down for that one. And it really spiced it up, lot, you know, a lot of, lot of aggression there. And then it really bubbled over at a quarter time. So unbelievable levels. I am still shaking my head about the behavior of one coach. Uh, let me. I'll take a stab in the dark. Was it the Geelong head coach? It was coach? the Geelong senior coach. And look, I'm all for coaches having the backs of of the players, but to see Guthrie and Selwood just just trying to slit, simmer him down and, and get him to just come back into their huddle, it was a shocking look for me. It just screamed of uh, he just wanted to be back in his Brisbane Lion days, and that's not what you're there to do as a coach. So. I take your flying the flag argument, but uh, I think he overstepped the mark there. Um, you know, the few of the Brisbane boys wanted to go on and a few of their leaders pulled them back, but I d- it's the coach that should be pulling a Selwood or a Guthrie out, not the other way around for mine. Yeah, I understand that that take and I take your point. Uh, do you know what I love? A coach not giving two hoots about what's going on and standing up for his players. Now... Well, yeah, that, that is the other side bit, of the coin. They wanted to be a little bit smart and be clever, and I think Harris Andrews was referring to how terribly Geelong played in that grand final. Well, they beat Brisbane to get there, so I can understand why he might have been a little bit fired up. But, look, there, he could have ignored it. He could have just given them a look. He could have done what he did and, and go over and, and tell them where to go. Um, as a senior coach... So, well, any person involved in the game, you're making split-second decisions all through the game. And obviously there was a split-second decision at the very end of the game that's caused even more controversy. But sometimes I don't always get them 100% politically correct and do the right thing for the look of the game. But we've got to stop, we've got to stop piling in on them when it added a hell of a lot of theatre to the game. Like, you had that going. You had Gary Rowan giving uh, Lockie Neal a little arm tickler. You had just <laughs> stuff, new angle on it. You had stuff happening all over the ground, and it made for such an intense last few minutes. Um, it just built the game up to being to being what it was. Uh, so, look, if we want our coaches to be robots, some do. Yes, you can go. It was a bad look and all that sort of stuff. And there was a please explain sent out to Chris Scott, which has now been reflected back on Chris Fagan because Chris Fagan decided to have words with Scott afterwards, I believe, from across the ground. Uh, so who knows what's actually going to come out of it, except, like, let's just call it what it was, which was good for footy. You reckon you're going the good for footy? I guess, look, I, I take your argument about, about the theatre. I'm, I'm not asking that coaches be robots. I'm just, uh, I think when it, it gets to the stage where your captain and an all-Australian player are pulling you out, that, that that's your top brass, that's your leadership pulling you out, I think. That's probably the message I'm worried that my playing group's being distracted with that. I mean, if he's steaming, you know, say your piece as you go and, and walk on, but he wanted to go on with it, he would have if no one held him back. So Selwood and Guthrie are trying to get a kick and they're trying to fire up the troops and they've got to deal with a coach out of control because he thinks he's playing for the Lions in 02. 
Uh, look, I, well, maybe we you, do agree to disagree on this one, which some uh, might find interesting. Yeah, well, I think we're definitely going to because, uh, well, firstly, last time Brisbane won at that ground, Chris Scott kicked the game winner. Don't know if you caught that in the pre-match, but he kicked the oh, game winner for Brisbane the last awesome. time they won That's down there. Um, and these are 12... They, they, these are men, Tom, not 12-year-old boys. They're not going to worry about what their coach is doing. They're all out there to do a job, and they've got line coaches and midfield and forward defense. They they know what they're doing. Chris Scott could go off his head for for all we get. They're going to come out and play football. It's Geelong. They know what they're doing. Well, I mean, yeah, if anyone has seen that out of him, then the Geelong boys would. I'm sure they've seen both sides of him. So, look, they knew how to handle it, and they did in the end. But let's let's go to later on and the infamous non-free kick at the death there. Now, putting aside all those people that argue, uh, you know, there's a million moments in a game and there's free kicks at different points, all of that, put that to the side. We're talking inside 10 seconds to go. Goes down, Blix has an eternity with it. You can argue he had prior or not. I say he had he had prior, and then you've got to dispose of it, and I say he didn't dispose of it. The umpire's right there, misses it. Obviously, we're going to leave out the umpire in this one because we need our umps out there doing their thing. Um, but they've missed it, and it's just ended up in a one-point Cats win. Huge controversy. Where, where do you sit with it? Well, firstly... Does the timing of the game matter in the decision? Well, I mean, we, we were speaking last week. Oh, well, we've spoken many a podcast about, uh, you know, this is the last 10 minutes in a grand final. The the whistle goes away. I guess you, it does go differently in, in the last points of a game. So, yeah, you've got to say that it, the adjudication is slightly different late in the third quarter versus late in the last for example? Yeah, it is, which is wrong. It should just be the rules all the time. And if they want them adjudicated like the last 10 minutes of a grand final, just adjudicate like that all the time. Look, letter of the law, once you get the ball and turn, given the tackle was coming, that's considered prior opportunity. Therefore, you didn't get rid of it. Therefore, it is a free kick. What? So you're, you're happy to sit with that because, you know, yeah. there was a bit of messaging back and forth between uh, a few people we know on Friday and you were playing the devil's advocate, but you do believe that that was the wrong call that was made. Uh, yeah, be, that, that's, well, that's what's considered is, it's considered as holding the ball. Whether I agree with it or not is another thing. And where I took issue with it on Friday night was the amount of, the, the fact that I expected the AFL to come out and explain, no, 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 it was correct. He didn't take a step, didn't actually have prior opportunity and then got tackled and was in the process of attempting, but obviously got tackled to the ground. Um, what surprised me more was the AFL came out and said they got the decision wrong, which was just one of the dumbest things you could have possibly done. And I don't think it added anything to the game except telling Brisbane, yeah, we got it wrong. You probably should have won that game. Oh, guess what? You're now stuck in Melbourne for a few weeks thanks to COVID. Um, have a nice day. Like... What, what yeah, was the point? They didn't go through and there was the Guthrie throw. There was... Um, I, I, I bet you you could watch that game again and find countless examples exactly like that one. Oh, and it's, I mean, even further up. Pay um, them. Yeah. And like one thing that's not getting ball. talked about is that that ball getting inside 50 started with Lockie Neal throwing the ball up to a Brisbane player. I was wondering who noticed that one. That was on the half-back flank. The yep. old uh, dive at it and sort of scoop handball in, in uh, yeah. quotation and marks. We've seen it from uh, the best mids, but it's not Rocky often Neal seen. does it a hell of a lot and doesn't get potted for it. 
and that launched the attack that ended up with the the ball being down there for the non-decision to be made. So we're not it, happy with that non-decision, and the AFL's come out and said that's wrong, but they haven't reviewed the deci- the non-decision a minute before that like led to this. De- like, How long's a piece of string? Why come out and say one free kick's wrong and not the other? Um, well, I mean, it did Brisbane decide have, a game. It decided the game. But the other one would have decided the game if it was paid. True, but you've got to take the, the moment of the game. I mean, how often do you miss a, a free kick like the Blix one and how often do you miss the you know little flick pass from Lockie? It was a you know inside 50 blatant miss. That, that carries weight. Inside 50 blatant miss from the Brisbane Fords or the umpire? From the uh, the umpire, yeah, you can call it a blatant miss, like, but well, because I guess the other part of it we've sort of talked about the prior. Did you also think it was incorrect disposal? He didn't handball or kick it. Yeah, so look, the technically to me they've missed they've missed two by the book. I mean, to throw uh, the umpires. Uh, no, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go. How have they missed two? Well, they, they missed that he had prior opportunity and they missed that he had incorrect disposal. So there's two free kicks for one, really, if you want to go by the letter of the law. So can you pay holding the ball when the player doesn't have the ball? He's Do not you not think he took... Tom. How is he holding the ball if he doesn't have the ball, Tom? He didn't have it in his possession in that moment? Yes, he did. It fell out. That's incorrect disposal. Yeah, look, like, I, 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 I no, I take real issue with this because, and it happened in the Saints GWS game where they, she, Elaney called out holding the ball, and no, it's not holding the ball. There was no tackle. You can call it incorrect disposal, but they're different free kicks, are they not? Well, they are, and that, that's what we were getting at last week when we were talking about there's multiple decisions for the same moment in a game. Which try umpiring this game, it's unbelievable that. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to mention the ump. You know, there's people sort of calling out his name and that that's just not on because, you know, you try and umpire with the rule book we've got. He, yeah, I'm seeing two free kicks in one moment. You're seeing one with a real technicality. We're talking heat of the game at the death. Like, what, what are we expecting them to do, well, really? See, like, Where I take issue with it all is Brisbane have got off lightly for missing so many shots in front of goal. And it, every time this happens... We want to just go the umpires and say how terrible they are, and and that might there's a component of truth behind that, as in it was a bad decision. He got that one wrong, and part of the irony of this is the umpires have been given three week blocks, so they won't be dropped based on any decisions they make in the first two rounds. That's actually um, probably a good thing, I think, for the game. Possibly, like I don't know why people really worry that much about who's umpiring. Like some people believe umpires have it out for them, and I just cannot understand. I cannot fathom why they think that's the case, but that's probably a story for another day. But all we want to talk about is the umpires getting that one decision wrong, and we just pile in on it. We don't talk about how hard, how difficult the rules can be to interpret because it gets slowed down within an inch of its life. We don't talk about... We, Brisbane have gotten off really lightly, like missing easy goals not taking care of business and they've lost by a point. Well, um, there's that. And there's the other element of he's still got to go back and kick the goal. Now, you might say it's a four-goal conclusion, but I've seen plenty miss from there. So, Yeah, no, I think one that springs to mind, Shag Grand at the top of the square in 07. But, you know, yeah. so that players... the shortest 50 in history. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty stiff. Sorry to bring that one up. Anyway, no, I'm with you. Like, yeah, there's no guarantees. Um, you know, I, I look, I'll admit I was 
had my siren gate hat on and was calling for a reversal of the points on Friday, but I, I've come down from that. But yeah, look, I, I take your point on there. Um, yeah, no guarantees, but geez, yeah, talked about all weekend and look, here it is. We're still talking about it. One, one of the incidents really of the season, to be honest. Uh, this will be well and truly forgotten. Unless Brisbane miss out on the eight by half a game or something like that, then it'll be brought up ad nauseum. Uh, but look, it's in the books. Nothing can be done. Now, Brisbane have since stayed in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, that's right. Can't get back. Well, could have flown back, but would have had to quarantine and that sort of would have put the season on hold for them. Gold Coast have flown out. They've flown to Adelaide today, so pretty significantly earlier than expected. Uh I'm hearing a lot of people talk, oh, well, yeah, fair enough. We played the whole year last year in Queensland. It's fair enough they get out of their bubble and come down and have to hub and travel for lengthy periods of time. Why are people saying that? And why do they think it was so unfair last year and now this is evening up? Can you explain it to me? Well, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me because it's a completely different year. So don't worry about what happened last year. We're playing the 2021 season. So... That's a puzzling view for me. Um, I mean, you look at Brisbane even this week, so their games moved to Marvel. It's not just on a whim. There's a game that they play later in the year, Collingwood and Brisbane, that was meant to be down here that's now up there. So there's swings and roundabouts. Um, Look, a lot of, you know, we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year. There could be things that bob up in every state that require this from a club. It's just happened to happen to Brisbane and Gold Coast and actually even throw in Sydney because they played Brisbane in round one. So they're... They had to sort of find an exemption to get uh, their boys training this week. So, yeah, it, it it's just it is what it is. I don't think it's unfair in any way. I mean, putting their seasons on hold while other teams play is probably more unfair to me. I'm glad you said that, Tom. I thought your Vic Bias might have come out and said, yeah, fair enough. We had the travel last year. That that's what it was. People. No, were yeah. Look, that that is naturally there. I mean, yeah. I, I I've I've pushed the the reset button, and I I think. The AFL's put the fixture out, so people are like, yeah, this is what we're going to have. I mean, we don't actually know what the games are past round six or what time of the day they're going to be. So we have to be flexible and, you know, we have to have, do things like this. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Seb. Nah, that's a good answer, Tom. Good answer. <laughs> you didn't let me get in my point about the grand final being in Melbourne, but we'll move oh, on. Don't, 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 be, don't be afraid. Get that in no, there. No, no, it's all right. It's nothing new. Nothing new. Now, I... We, we talked a bit before we, we started recording. I had the pleasure of watching about seven and a half games of footy when you add up all... Was One of the great efforts. That's a sort of Sunday, I sort spread. of caught two, two and a half, two halves and a quarter. Um, so I didn't quite get the full the full nine, but I definitely had a footy fix on Saturday. And I got to catch Essendon struggle against Port, which I enjoyed. Yeah. And then I then we went up, I watched a quarter of your game, and then we went up, went up north and... and Watch the game. No one was watching. I'll be honest. I don't reckon anyone was watching this. <laughs> and uh, we North struggled. So, like, it's going to be just a long year for North Melbourne and Essendon. Now, obviously, I support one of these teams. I'm actually happy for us to go lose 20 games. But if we beat the Bombers in our two clashes, I'll be a very happy man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can crazy. you give us some advice? Like, what what do we look out for as as supporters of teams that are just playing lots of kids, lacking experience, and just overall expected to struggle through the course of this year? Yeah, well, look, uh, 
most supporter fans that have this experience, maybe you're going to me as more qualified for the Saints. We've had our ups and our downs. So um, look, at the moment for both teams, you know, I think the Bombers have reassessed and they're, they're plugging the youth. You you were kind of already in that mindset, um, Essendon a move there. At the moment, it's just finding those little wins. So I think, you know, winning a quarter or playing a good half or, or just forming a bit of a brand that you can take into a season or, or, you know, play throughout this season is what you're looking for. I mean, there's going to be, you know, kids coming in and out, but, you know, maybe a youngster, you know, doing something that you don't expect or, yeah, like I said, just, just starting that brand, looking like you're sort of playing as a cohesive unit. I think the trick will be because there'll be a lot of players coming and going. And I mean, the Bombers this week have really just been hit with the injury stick, losing Shield, Caldwell and and Draper and, um, you know, so, I mean, they could be three, four in and out each week. So it's about actually trying to get a little bit of the continuity in your team, just finding out how each other plays, particularly the young boys. Um, and the reverse of that, it's a real opportunity for a few of the older blokes at, at both clubs just to sort of settle in and go, look, I'm going to show these kids how it's done at AFL level and, and so, you know, start passing a bit of that down. So, you know, at the Ruse, you've got Zeeble, Cunnington, Goldstein, um, you could name probably a few more than me said at the moment off the top of my head, you know, just showing them how they go about it at the level. And then for the Bombers, you know, Heppel, Hurley, Hooker, you know, just showing the Essendon boys how it's done, you know, just so much youth in there. Um, they're they're going to want to learn. That's what the year is. Learn, try and get better, try and have a good quarter here and there. You know, there might be a surprise win in the offing where you're sort of in it late in the third and you've got that sniff of victory, you know, maybe winning that game, you know, or maybe knocking a team out of a, a finals opportunity. You know, it, it's that kind of stuff, I think, this year for, for these two clubs. Yeah, I think that's a good summary, Tom. Uh, question without notice. Over or under three and a half wins for the Bombers? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I see, I think they might win four or five, so I'll go over. Over or under three and a half wins for North Melbourne? Um, oh, I think you might win three, so I'll go under. <laughs> nah, they're, they're, that, that's fair. Um, Look, that sounds harsh and, you know, as much... Look, I'll, I'll stick the boots in throughout the year, but, you you know, to Seb's credit, you've put this one on the agenda. You know, you're, you're realistic about it. Some Bombers fans might not like being in this chat, but they need to get realistic about it. Um, it it's, it's a long year ahead, so it's time for a reassessment, I think. Um, you know, and just, yeah, like I said before uh you know the youth and, and those little moments you know you'll you'll probably find you might have already had a few already you want a Jai Simkin ripping a game to shreds or a Taron Thomas goal you know little things like that for now and then yeah a bit of game style and maybe threatening in a game or two late in the year yep yep I think that's a good summary I can I actually out, oh no you yep. go sorry I was just gonna say I do have I do there's one Bombers fan who gets in my ear um and to his credit he was telling me they could play finals this year a couple of weeks ago, and he's backed well off that now and just sort of accepted it's a year for the future and a year to get the kids in. So, like, I think that took a lot. So, well done, and you know exactly who you are. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. My question I was just going to ask you was, uh, who do you think's actually closer to a flag? I know we're talking about the full rebuild from scratch at the moment, but who, do you, you know, where they're both situated, who, who can you see winning a flag earlier? Uh, you'll get a biased answer from me, but I'd say North, and I I just have this belief we're not that far off it. Um, more so because we've spent the last two years bringing these kids in, and we 
So we, we dropped down and we picked Davies Uniac, and then we won sort of 10, 11 games and finished 10th. And then we had last year where we won three, and now look, look what's going to happen this year. Whereas the Bombers kept they bringing Devin Smith, Shiel, and Caldwell's still a young player, but you know they, they've they've been sort of topping up like Stringer, trying to propel them up the ladder, and they th- not they threw out, but they moved on down to her last year. Obviously, he wanted it, um, ironically, to get out of the Melbourne bubble, which he's stuck in now for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, but they their moves from a list management point of view, from what I saw, were more around topping up and trying to get them into that premiership window. And, and with some of their injuries, some of their outs, part of it's misreading where their list was at. They've ended up now, yep, we're just going to have to try and get the games into these kids. And, and look, I think both clubs last year... Um, Look, you could say North did an injustice in terms of putting Reshaw in the job. Did they do enough due diligence in that? But if you take out how it happened and just look at um, the two coaches in Shaw and Wusher, both was treading water and not developing a game plan or anything around it. And obviously they're both gone now. Um, And I think that sort of allows both clubs to reset, have a free throw at the stumps to use a cricket term this year and, and really start building to the future. I just really hope, for both clubs' sake, neither of them decide to do it the Carlton or Melbourne way of four to five years building for the future, of, you know, and you lose some of your best years for some really good players. Yeah, that look, that was beautifully put. And I agree with you there. Like, I mean, the examples we're seeing at the moment, obviously Sydney's still a way to go. But they've started brilliantly. Port Adelaide, you know, maybe one outstanding draft, you know, with some good players already on your list and you just don't know where it can go. So that, that's what you've got to hang on there. Um, uh, good point, though. I, I'd take, yeah, the Ruse, you're sort of probably a year, maybe a year, year and a half more advanced in terms of a pure rebuild than the Bombers. So, yeah, uh, good, good point, it, that one. Going for a premiership, it's a bit of a raffle. Yeah. Um, and either team could seriously shoot up the ladder next year if they got their got everything together and started playing good footy. Um, and you just got to believe you're capable more than thinking you need more time. If you think you need more time, you're going to take more time, whereas put yourself on a hard deadline um, and you'll get that good quote on that. Um, you set your 10-year plan and try and achieve it in six months. Now, Oh, that is one to write down for the listeners out there. That's a ripper. There is absolutely no chance you'll get 10 years worth of work done in six months, but you'll be a hell of a lot closer to completing that 10 years worth of work in six months' time than you are if you plan to do it in 10 years. This is... We've we've moved into the uh, self-motivation, inspiration stuff with that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I, I've got to take that one. That's a, All our listeners should take that one. That's a ripper. Branch off. Start the old uh, 12 rows back motivational podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, free for our football functions. Let's, let's get into our new favourite yes. segment, the university grades. So we'll rank each team. Uh, what, what are our grades again, Tom? So we've got uh, high distinction, distinction, uh, pass, fail, and see the coordinator or see the Ooh. course coordinator. Which you, you don't want to get that one because that's sort of your, your you know your course on the line. You don't want to get any coordinators many. this week. We might have one. Uh, oh. Let's start, and we got to, You really got to cast your mind back to last Thursday. Yeah. But Carlton <laughs> played Collingwood, traditional rivals. Thursday night footy, not so traditional time slot. 
the Blues, your grade, please, Tom. Yeah, so they they went into the night favourites. I know I was swept up in the hype. I think I uh, might have had uh, an investment in them in our betting. Let me down completely. They're a fail for me, the Blues. Um, just just not up to it on the night. Threatened to play some good passages, and they did, but they just never really like looked like they could string enough to get ahead. Uh, yeah, there, there's work rate issues. The, they were happy to have the game open up, but sort of not happy to run both ways. Uh, they let me down. I, I, I was flat from the Blues. They were a definite fail for me. Um, yep, yep. I'm, I, I agree on that. I think the expectation really started to build up, and Collingwood had a poor showing against uh, against the Dogs the week before. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought Carlton would win that and win it going away a little bit and the Pies were in trouble, but they showed a bit of resilience and, and bounced back. So moving to the other side of the coin, Collingwood, uh, I'm torn between a distinction and a pass. Yeah, I think I have to give a pass only because they, they started most of the week favourites and I think with the traditional... Uh, given Carlton's performance and... It looks like Carton are going to have a, a roller coaster of a year. Uh, you want to be, if you're serious about playing finals, you want to be putting Carton away a little bit better than Collingwood did. So they still won the game, got this, got the first win on the board. So I'll give them a pass, but nothing more just yet. What say you, Tom? Yeah, no, I'm fully with you there. Uh, you know, I guess we, we've got the benefit of hindsight. Um, you know, they never really like looked like they were going to lose that game once. You know, that sort of first quarter was done. Did what they needed to do. Um, you know, they didn't put them away. Uh, but yeah, they they just ticked all the boxes they need to. Yeah, you you could be distinction because you know we the expectations on the pies have have dropped. Um, after their crazy off season, but uh, look, that that was a game that they just got done, uh, needed to get uh, sorted, and they got it done. So now, nah, pass for me in that one. Uh, the controversial game, the the cats and the lions. What, what are you thinking for this one, Seb? Uh, this one, this one was pretty easy in my head, and it was a pass and a pass um, for both teams. Cats got the win, got out of there with the chocolates. Um, if they lost, it might have been to see the coordinator. You're in trouble. Uh, you shouldn't drop. They can't afford to drop games at home. Uh, and on the flip side, the Lions, no one expects you to come down to Geelong and win. You put yourself in a position to win. You just didn't finish off your work. But in a game you're not expected to win and you get within a point with a controversial free kick, allegedly, that probably should have won you the game, let's say uh, I'd give them a pass on that front. Yeah, look, this is the crazy thing about that free kick. So say they kick the winner. Brisbane are getting a high distinction for me for going down to the Cattery with one of the more famous wins and the Cats get a fail. That That's how line ball this is. But I'm with you. The Lions may be a distinction because, you know, to go down to Geelong, they haven't won there for, what, almost 20 years. Um, yeah, bad kicking again for the Lions, which is just an issue for them. Just bad kicking away from a real famous win, but you, you can't really give them a distinction in a loss, as brave as it is. Um, Geelong could have failed them. I mean, it was on their home deck. Um, you know, everything going their way, including the free kicks uh, at the death there. So, no, like two passes for me. I'm happy to happy to join you on that, Seb. Yeah, uh, it'll happen at some stage this year. A team loses but gets a distinction. I'm telling you. Um, yeah. You know, brave loss, honourable loss, that sort of stuff stuff that plagued some of those teams over the years. Uh, Sydney beat Adelaide relatively comfortably, but it was a bit of a, it was a cracking game. If you oh, didn't high get the scoring, yeah. 
No, absolutely. Oh, I, I caught it uh, in the car on radio, and it was just a just an old throwback shootout. Um, Sydney, to their credit, have got a real spread, and you just threw Buddy back into the mix, and he was able to oh, cruise and kick three. It was great to see him kicking from outside fifty for his first. Um, whereas Adelaide went the old school uh, Tex, who's in the form of his life at the moment. <laughs> he is. On fire. Uh, I think I said in uh, our season review that it was extreme that he might kick 30 goals. Well, he's almost halfway there. He's kicked 11 in two games. So I might be uh, ticking that one off. But um, look, I've I've got to give the Swans a distinction again. Yep. Um, I I think they were fantastic. High scoring, just end-to-end stuff as well. I think uh, there's been a lot of press about Jordan Dawson. He's coming uh, out of the back line and really hitting the corridor. Um, Horse has got them playing a new brand and it's exciting to watch. So that they were a distinction for me. Um, and look, no shame in Adelaide. They they gave it everything. They jumped out of the blocks well. Um, yeah, as I said, Tex, he, he's in unbelievable form. I mean, yeah, they, they matched it in different areas. And I mean, it was eight goals at one stage and they sort of steadied the ship a little bit after that. So look, Sydney, a distinction for me, Adelaide, a pass. Yeah, I think based on expectation, I... Going into it, I thought Sydney at home, but both teams are ultra impressive beating Brisbane and Geelong uh, the week prior. So I uh, have to give Sydney a distinction for just continuing that form and, and just get... Uh, they've had the first two Rising Star nominations and yeah. the three favourites for the Rising Star now that Matty Rowell's gone down are three Sydney players. Yeah, that what yeah, that's sort of, you know, back in the expansion days when the Suns and Giants had players that you sort of saw stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, but now it's just Academy. Um <laughs> and I give a give Adelaide a pass. The Swans were well in front at certain stages through the game, but they kept fighting and they've somehow they're not playing the same style as twenty seventeen, but they're back to an attacking brand of football which really seems to suit them and their their personnel. So um Look, that was pretty exciting to see. Now, back over to Adelaide, Port Adelaide versus Essendon. Uh, I'm giving Port a distinction because they did take care of the Bombers. Not a high distinction because I think, based on evidence, the Bombers are in for a long year. Uh, and I give the Bombers a fail. Again, not a Cedar coordinator because I think they're in for a long year. So they just weren't competitive through stages, which... which lead you to that if they were competitive and played the whole whole game out like I gave North Melbourne a pass in the loss last week uh, we had one quarter we were blown out whereas over the course of the game Port just kept doing exactly what they wanted and for a team that for a coach that preaches defense in Rutten uh, I think Port Adelaide managed to generate a far a really high percentage of scores directly from the back line which you know, is a big red flag given they can move the ball so freely. So, distinction for Port, part, a fail for the Bombers. Yeah, look, I'm with you there on on the Bombers. Um, fail there. I mean, you, you can't do anything. But uh, you know, not quite see the coordinator because there's plenty more footy to be played. Um, but yeah, look, real real young side, and they looked as raw as I've seen. You know, you sort of looked at their forward line, and and you're just like, where are the goals going to come from today? I mean. These, these kids need some help. So I felt for them there. Um, but yeah, look, you can't pass them in that display. I mean, yeah, when you're sort of reading media pieces about training drills, it's just an indictment on you. So you, you can't uh, do anything but uh, fail them there. 
Look, the power, this sounds bizarre. And we both were guilty of this last week, uh, giving the power a, a pass in a nine-goal win. But look, I, I think it was a real opportunity for the, like the power, they played well, did everything they had to. Geez, uh, Zach Butters looked fantastic. He had it on an absolute string. But look, I was thinking the power really could have put the foot down. Essendon lost some absolute jets along the way um, by their standards. And, you know, the power just cruised to a nine-goal win. Now, look, a lot of clubs would take a nine-goal win, but I, I, I uh, hold the power to a higher standard. So I'm giving them a pass for that one. Um, not They didn't do anything wrong. They just did what they had to do. So I'm interested now, you know, the, the power have had the Roos and the Dons, and we're, we're sort of talking about them as rebuilding. I, I'm hoping there's more challenges for them ahead and we can get a better gauge on where they're at. Yep, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They, um, they're playing in a different league, effectively, the power than those two teams. St Kilda versus Melbourne. Nah, I want you to give your grades first. I want to see how you how you judge your team coming into a game they were expected to win. Yeah, no, look, it uh, it doesn't give me any pleasure to do this, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give us a fail. Not happy with it. Uh, you, you, yeah, we did come in as favourites, and we showed, you know, and that's that second quarter we sort of blasted out and you know, we're 16 points up, but then we, we just fell away. It was, we couldn't stop the Ds. I was just disappointed in the way that we just, yeah, let, let their prime movers run rampant. I, I'm not, I wasn't expecting anything out of Hunter on Maxi Gorn, but he did give, um, you know, Oliver and the boys there an armchair ride. Uh, wouldn't have minded to see a tag on Clayton Oliver. He had 37 and went absolutely berserk. Christian Salem didn't have anyone on him all night and, and Lever and May were able to just, come across and mark all our high balls. One shout out I'll give is we just never really worked out yet. Yeah, not potting Hunter here. It's more of a team defense here on Big Maxi gone. I, I was watching at the ground and he'd just be at half forward and go, well, Lukey Jackson, you're up, mate. Jackson would take the ruck and Maxi would just run down the other end and just be in the hole. He did it all night. I just watched him just go where he wanted to. He was a supreme athlete and we just had no answer to it. So we really were uh, you know, not... Not out thought there, but they, we just didn't have a plan for Maxi. And yeah, the, the mids killed us, notwithstanding Jackie Steele, who had a great game. But um, look, if we didn't have Dougal Howard down there, he had 10 marks and almost 30 possessions. He, Yeah, if he wasn't there, we might have lost by 10 goals. It was <laughs> that kind of night. It was it was a flattener. It was uh, disappointing from the Saints. So hopefully we can bounce back there. But yeah, like I said, and I, w- I was deadly serious. I haven't seen Melbourne play like this in years. Um, just everything that they tried that night worked. They were tested early and they ran away with it. They, you know, we made a run in the third. They held us up and then they just kept us at bay in that third quarter. They unearthed one in Cozzy Pickett. We just had no answer to the energy that he brought. Um, like I said, Fritch could have kicked four. Tommy McDonald, you know, he, he's holding his spot there. So, no, it all went right for the Ds. They're, they're a high distinction for me. Whoa. I haven't seen Melbourne like that in years. So, a high distinction for the Ds for me. Very good, Tom. That's as well as they've played in years. I'm not. That's no word of a lie. I was impressed by uh, what they put out there, and yeah, no wonder their fans celebrated like a final. There, they should be happy with that. There you go, these fans. Uh, aside from the, uh, the a twelve minute wrap up, he's given Melbourne a high distinction. Uh, now I will. I won't go into too much detail. You obviously watched the game a little closer than I did, but I give Melbourne just a distinction. Um, I think if they kick straight, maybe I could get on the ball with that high distinction. Uh, the Saints, on the other hand, I think it might be too harsh to give them a see the coordinator. But for a team that said they were going to play finals and have 
from what I'm told, a lot of talent on that list. Uh, they really got found out against the Demons. Obviously, having no Ruckman versus having the best Ruckman was a bit of a, a bit of an obstacle to overcome. But playing on the fast Marvel deck where Melbourne seemed to hate to play, I thought was still going to be enough for the Saints to get the job done. I'm going to give you a fail, but you trot that out against the Bombers and that will be a see the coordinator. You know, you're going to get kicked out of the course. Uh, that... Could have gone. No, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, no, that that's look that that's fair. Thanks for the quick wrap up. Um, well, over to the second game of that night. Uh, the Suns playing your boys. I'm interested in your take on that one. Uh, I'd give the Suns a distinction. Very professional outfit. They just not just got the job done. They did it in style. They stifled us. Um, we couldn't get any momentum with the ball. Uh, I would look. I didn't think. I thought we were a chance. Obviously, I tipped us, and and I got that wrong. Uh, North, I just, I, I would say a fail. We didn't bring the effort for anywhere near long enough, whereas we did for at least two and a half quarters against Port. Uh, fail for North. It could have got a lot worse. Um, if that was at home, that'd be a see the coordinator for lack of effort. Yeah, look, that that's a, a fair wrap up. Um, I was impressed with the Suns. I think they unearthed. Well, I mean, he, he is unearthed. We we know about Noah Anderson. He had a night out. I know, um, you know, Rankin did jump in there with a few junk timers, but uh, he he played well as well. They did lose one in Buderick, which will hurt him. But yeah, look, they they did everything right. The Suns. They're a distinction for me. And um, yeah, look, you you were you know optimistic about the ruse, and I was a little bit too. I thought it was it was a chance to. You know, maybe pinch it at best, or at least you know give it a shake for a few quarters and be there right towards the end. But um, yeah, just to come away with that, you know, low scoring sort of thrashing it that that that's a bit of a stinger. So now they're they were a fail for me as well. What about the early game on the Sunday, Richmond versus Hawthorne? Uh, yeah, it was a I, this game really went as expected. Um, yeah, I was going to say that it's. Passes all round, really, for me. Yeah, on both sides. yeah. I don't think we need to go too much further. I think the fact the Hawks kept the effort and just kept chipping away. I saw someone liken it to when you're playing your little brother in the backyard, and obviously you've got them beat, but they just keep trying all day. God bless them, and they still never get close. They likened it to that, and I thought that was pretty apt. Um, obviously, yeah, I think we both know a little bit about that too. If we can get that out on the podcast, yeah, I don't think our little brothers have ever really come close to our heights either. <laughs> yeah. True, and then the middle game on the Sunday was the uh, the Dogs versus the Eagles. How do you see this one? Look, I'm, th- this is going to be really odd. I'm going to give both teams a distinction. Oh, interesting. It was a cracking game of football. The Dogs got the job done against quality opposition, and the Eagles flew over to Marvel, tried their guts out, played a really good brand of footy, and were right there in the dying stages until Bont sort of went back and just slotted that one from 40 out on a slight angle. Um, I thought both teams played really well. If that game's over in Perth, it probably just falls the other way. Um, but I I think there, there are te- Eagles teams of the past that have rolled up to these games and there's sort of a mental block of we're going to Melbourne, we're not going to be able to win this. And that wasn't the case. They probably kicking themselves they didn't but they got themselves in front there were so many lead changes I was I was impressed with both teams um, and I expect look 
probably too early to go with this, but I'm expecting the Dogs to play in the grand final. Um, And so for the Eagles to sort of do that over here on their home deck suggests the Eagles will go pretty close too. So maybe a little bit out there. Tell me what you think, fans, but double distinction. Yeah, double just the rarely seen. Look, that that is an interesting one. I, I was sitting here as well trying to uh, work out how I'd rate that one. I'm with you on the dogs getting a distinction. They they just did what they had to do. Fantastic again. Dunkley back in form, which they'll love. I think just that's their ability is to have a mid that just has an out and out game. And I haven't even mentioned the Bond who just went to that MVP level that I was hoping he'd reach. Um, adding goals to his game, got to give them a distinction. You know, quality opposition, and they got the job done. Yeah, didn't know what to do with the Eagles. I, I, I've given them a pass, which probably sounds a little bit harsh, given that they come, they came all the way over here and and just about pinched it. But just there's an opportunity just to pinch one back as the away team. And and look, they they had it really in that last quarter on their plate. They just didn't have the the power to just hold the dogs off and and just play the game on their terms. They let the game sort of get away from them. It's sort of a little bit the one that got away. So. Look, they, they did, apart from that, they did nothing wrong. I'm going to give them a pass for that one there. Uh, and the final game out in uh, WA, Freo versus the Giants. How did you, how'd you make, uh, what did you make of this one? Uh, pass for Freo. They got the job done. A little inaccurate. Probably could have really put the sword to GWS and just didn't, which I think is going to be systematic for their, their team all year, not being able to sort of put goals on the scoreboard with a lack of firepower. But I give them a pass because Giants travelled. They played in the wet weather. It was a bit of a slog last week, and, and Freya were, they probably had every advantage go their way in that sense. Uh, and I give the Giants, I still give the Giants a failure because they just really didn't show up. And you can say tired from, from that game in the wet, but there was the game was done at half time and could have been well and truly done at half time to the point Freo could have gone right. We're just just going to put the cue in the rack. They just didn't kick straight, so that's how I saw it. Yeah, no, look, that's fair. Look, I, I was bullish on the uh, the Dockers in this one. I know, yeah, the inaccuracy, but they really got a lot of our, uh, you know, a lot of their play from their youth. And look, I say youth. I know Mundy had an absolute field day, but geez, it was great seeing Brayshaw and Chera and. Um, a few of the other boys, uh, they're just running right in the middle. They're really on top there. Yeah, bad kicking did hurt them, but they really just controlled the game across the ground. And yeah, it, it wasn't witches' hats, but it was it was heading that way. So no, I was really impressed with the Dockers. I think uh, I'll give them a, a distinction for that one. Whereas yeah, the Giants was borderline see the coordinator. They've just lost a lot of that pizzazz. Yeah. They were just going around the going through the motions, really it felt like. Yeah. Um, you know, they never really threatened to really make it a game at any stage. It was just one of those ones that you just chalk it down to Freo early. Um and to go back on Freo actually, they did lose five, so that that was another sort of positive that they could sort of get on with the game without their skipper out there. So no anyway, back to the Giants. They're they're a fail for mine. Um, just with a little bit of a notice there, just they don't want to keep this effort up. No, no, I um, I did debate the see the coordinator, but it might have just been a little, a little too harsh when I factored in the talent that they've had walk out the door, not just last year over the last few years. Uh, now let's let's jump into a few rapid fire questions, quick fire, Tom, quick thoughts. Uh, I. Just instantly thought of you, and it's not quite the Clash Guernseys, but uh, umpires wearing light blue at a dog's home game. What do you think about yeah. that? 
just when I thought we were on to something with the Eagles, who, you know, aren't a traditional Melbourne club, so they were a clash strip with the yellow. Couldn't believe it, seeing the ups in the light blue. Un- unbelievable. Just when we think we can get there, they throw that in there. So still more work to do on the jumper front for, for the AFL there. Still uh, shaking my head about that one. Uh, I've got one for you. Why do the general public or the media buy into the Carlton hype? So I know the Pies probably nudged their way into favouritism, but the Blues are right there with them. Every year it's it's the year of the blue ahead and, and we just never see it there. Zero and two in their last nine years. So, what, what, why do we buy into the Blues hype? I don't have an answer for that, Tom. And I'm normally, I, I'm normally a bit negative in terms of Carlton, and and I've mentioned many times. I think they've got a bit of a losing culture over there. Geez, Papley would have helped. Uh, but uh, I bought into it. I tipped them. I thought, I thought things were slightly different. You obviously got the Teague train from winning culture in North Melbourne, uh, but. For some reason, we just we always seem to buy into the hype. Now, I think this year was a little different because they performed relatively well against the Richmond side that is seemingly at the top of their game at the moment. So I give them some concession there, but they want to start getting a few more wins on the board pretty quickly. I say a few more wins, some wins. They're zipping two. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, great great points there. I just throw in, I, I, I don't know, I feel like the... AFL comp just believes that Carlton should be better than they actually are all the time. So that doesn't help with the hype there. Um, we, we spoke about it before. I'm happy to jump into this one. The Giants, is their era over? So you sort of mentioned a few of the names that have uh, walked out there. And I think Jeremy Cameron was the big one. He's been a heart and soul of this club, a foundation player. I think he's won the goal kicking every season he's played. That was probably the last straw uh, for the Giants there. I, I need to still watch that Amazon doc, but there was some damning stuff that came out of that one, the making the mark um, about the Giants. And yeah, it, look, it just feels like it, the keys to the Giants have been handed over to this next new wave of picks that they've got. So look, it's a bit of a rebuild on the run, but uh, you know that team that sort of made the granny and maybe even that team that should have won the 2016 granny, it's long gone. It's a distant memory. They're all over the place in uh, our competition. So uh, it's a new era for me up there in uh, Western Sydney. Yep, the year is over, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now tell me, Noah Anderson, is he starting to really emerge from Matty Rowe's shadow or is he just well, yeah, so that's the way I uh, footy? No, no, yeah, true. So I say emerging from Ralph's shadow because I should I should ask you this one because I think Noah Anderson, you saw him firsthand on uh, Saturday, um, but fantastic player. He's a number two, obviously, yeah, all the hype around Raoul. Um Yeah, how, how did you see him? You, you have had the firsthand look over the weekend. I've got to be honest. I think I spent most of my time scratching my head as to why blokes like Sean Attlee and Dom... Is it Dom <laughs> or Tom Dyson? Dom Tyson. <laughs> I was scratching my head as to why those blokes were just still getting a game. They could not hit a target. Um, now, look, Noah Anderson was really good, and he was, he's been highly touted. Um, Matty Rouse seemed to cast a shadow, not not just over the Suns, across the whole competition. No, like, yeah, he was up there in Brownlow favouritism, which was madness for someone who's played six games. Um, and obviously he's hurt himself now. I hope that's not a, that's not a recurring theme for him. But, uh, look, Noah Anderson's starting to come out in his shell. I think it's a perfect place for a young kid to go and just be able to focus on his footy for three or four years and develop you know if you come to a big melbourne club you want to get onto it sooner rather than later it starts you get 
yeah, it, it, the pressure starts building so much quicker than it will for a team in the Gold Coast. So um, he's really starting to play some good footy, which which is good. Uh, I I didn't add this one in. Tom, is Sydney the best team to watch in the competition? Yes, you. You call me biased because of the family links to uh, Sydney and the old South Melbourne, but I think the Swans are currently the best team to watch in the comp. Uh, high scoring, end to end, coast to yeah, end to end, coast to coast, whatever you like to call it. Um, you know, and then they're doing it with youth. You know, Kennedy and and Parker and Rampy and now Buddy just coming back to just all these kids that have had all this game time. Um, the majority from sort of last year and the year before. And now, you know, they've had a real good draft hand as well. So you throw that in there with McDonald and, yeah, you know, they're scoring 100, not even just cracking the 100, pushing the 120s. They're great to watch. And I can't wait to see how they go this week, actually, against the Tigers. It's going to be a real test for them. And it's probably going to really show us where they're at in terms of uh, the Tigers who are up there with the competition's best. But they'll just be pumped to just put their brand out against the Tigers too. So, yeah, if you've watched both of Sydney's games this year, you've done real well because it is great, great footy. And it's probably the rules at work in that the ball's pinging around, moving around, not low stoppages, high scoring. It's actually the AFL's dream. So for opposite of 05 where uh, the AFL was bagging Sydney for their game style, the AFL's probably loving Sydney's game style at the moment. I wanted to check with you as uh, we mentioned Sydney and they obviously played Adelaide with Tex, who's uh, leading the Coleman with 11. I just wanted your thoughts on what, how many goals do you think wins the Coleman this year? Yeah, 73. 73? I was going to say, look, 70 gets it done. 73 specifically, I like it. Uh, look, I'm with you there. What, what made you pick that number though? Uh, teams will slow down. Teams will start to cotton on to how to defend some of these forwards. Uh, I think the mid... Mid-60s has won it, obviously taking the COVID year out of it in previous years. So I'd be expecting sort of 10%, 15% on top of that. So 73 I really plucked out of nowhere. But, you know, sort of low 70s was sort of what I had in my head. So 73 wins it, Tom. Uh, good guess, yeah. Look, I, I worked out a similar way. I mean, they kick three goals a game, 66, four goals a game, 88. Probably falls somewhere in that region. The common these days usually is one with a sort of three and a bit average. So I think you're on the money there. So you you weren't thinking Tex with five and a half a game is going to kick 121? No, I think that might look. I would love to see that, and um, <laughs> I, like just like I'd like to see Buddy kick the thousand. I want to see the fans run back out on the oval. That is a, an absolute great thing of our game that uh, we haven't seen for too long. So look, I'd love him to do that, but uh, I think the I think Buddy's the season thousand, might catch I up with him. Buddy's thousand will be the next and last time we get an opportunity for that. If I'm being honest, yeah. So yeah, no. Look, I'm probably with you on that. I, I definitely for the thousand, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's just a great tradition, but I think yeah, I'm with you. It is going to be the last, and yeah, might might be against the Saints or Ruse. And look, if that happens, I'll definitely be running out. I'll I'll tell you that early. <laughs> I'll be doing it too. If I I've never, I haven't done it before, like North Melbourne have a, haven't had a hundred goal kicker since Doug Wade. Uh, long Longmire won the Colin with ninety eight, so we've had no reason ever to do it. Uh, so if I get the chance, oh, I'll be out there. Take me back to my yeah. Oz kick days. 
<laughs> exactly. You're all... Well, look, uh, yeah, look, the, obviously the G train did it most recently for the Saints, but it was it just happened to be when we had all the momentum in the 04 uh, qualify, uh, prelim. So uh, not not probably the best time to run on there. So that, that was an opportunity missed. But anyway, great tradition of our game. Uh, and we hope uh, Buddy and yeah, even if Tex can keep this up, that we see it later in the year. My word, Tom. My word. Any final thoughts? No, nah, look, big big round ahead. Uh, you know, if you, this is sort of now we get to that point where it's, you know, that early season form, who's good, who's where. We're getting more of a taste of that. So I'm looking forward to uh, the end of round three and getting a real gauge, particularly that Giants-Melbourne uh, game. That's a real... That's the where interesting are these one, teams that type? The old yeah. Tom Scully Cup. Exactly. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, you, you sort of you we're starting to learn a lot more each and every week, uh, which is which is really good. There's still there's still a lot of questions, but you can sort of start to see some things with some certainty. Uh, the one thing I'll say is go out and support your team. Get back to the footy. It's the best thing you can do. I booked tickets today for the North Melbourne Dogs game, Good Friday game. I haven't bought tickets in 18 months. I didn't do it two weeks ago. My brother did it. So I was on waiting for the t- one o'clock drop so I could get the best seats, second row, level two. Not, not as oh, good nice. as I needed, but five in a row, which is pretty good. Uh, so get out there and support your team, especially if they've got a blockbuster clash, you know, and people are threatening to take it away. You want to buy a membership for your club. I'm talking to you, Bruce fans, and get along to that game because we need all the support we can get right now. Well said. I fully agree there. Get to the Good Friday game, Roos fans. Your club needs you.